This is Deserter. The podcast that wonders, is it just us or is everything brilliant? I think everything's brilliant. Yeah, is it though? Yeah, I think so, apart from wasps maybe or uh, closing time. You do like to accentuate the positive. I do, that's true. Why do I want the dark side? Why indeed, although I wish I hadn't mentioned closing time now. Yeah, it's made you a bit sad, isn't it? It has a bit. Point? Oh, get in. In this episode, all the usual stuff about skiving, pubs and having a good time. I visit every spoons in South East London. We go to school, to Book Corner and to Mexico. Plus all the latest news and our roundup of social media. I'm the Dulwich Raider. And I'm Deadly Headley. Hang on. <laughs> no, I'm not. He's Deadly Headley on knobs. So who am I? I'm sure it will come back to you. Why don't you start by just telling us what you've been up to? Keep it simple. Yeah, OK. Uh... For Slackers, we've been very busy, haven't we, this month? Oh my God, have we then? We had a book out, did a book launch, we brewed beer. It's not right, is it, for a couple of people that are supposed to be doing fuck all? No, it's not. I, I would say, I mean, I, I don't want to bore our listeners with the, our struggle to get the book uh, into bookshops, uh, etc. You are. But I would, <laughs> but I would say, if... <laughs> If you are thinking of a life where you'd like to do very little, um, very slowly, think about the publishing industry. We've met a lot of people in publishing that seem to uh, <laughs> adhere to our philosophy and yet are holding down a job. No, they're all wonderful, of course, and thanks to all of them. Um, <laughs> um, just a quick one on our book launch. It was very uh, full, and um, oh, we'd just incredible. like to apologise to anyone who didn't get in. Um, John Rennie said it was the first time he'd ever been turned away from a pub sober. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a great night at the um, Dulwich Beer Dispensary and thanks for everyone for coming down and putting up with our uh, microphone travails and hopefully you got a free drink out of it if you managed to get to the bar. Um, I liked your heckle, your heckler. Yeah. Yeah. Cheer up. Oh, cheer up, mate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you can't be glum at your own book launch, when can you be? Um... (laughs) Did you hear our publisher, Xander, uh, didn't have a great start to the evening? No. He, uh, he misread his email and he went to the Southey Brewing Tap Room in Penge instead oh. of coming to East Dulwich. And uh, fortunately, it was, o- it was open. He got there early doors about six o'clock and there were like three people sitting in there already. And um, But Xander thought, uh, I really do hope it picks up a bit for the lads. <laughs> Bless him. I saw him later. He was quite astonished with the turnout. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, yeah, and uh, he said it was the uh, the biggest book launch he'd been involved in since Boy George. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Tom, our agent, uh, he got off at Forest Hill where uh, he said the air was suffused with the aroma of skunk and chips. <laughs> and, and he thought it was a publicity stunt for the book. <laughs> <laughs> that is the scent of South London. If only we were that clever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a brilliant night, and Deserter IPA was available, and that was absolutely stonking, oh, wasn't awesome. it? I think that's probably the best yet. I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to me, that made the evening. And for um, our stable mate, Rebecca Denton, as well, who said that if you don't have your own branded IPA and several local drug dealers present, is it even a book launch? <laughs> <laughs> On to... You've been visiting... All of South East London Spoons, haven't you? I have, yeah. Fifteen in one day, that's incredible. Yeah, I can't, not all in one day, I can't I have to say that... And they, um, they open I, at nine, I mean, <laughs> it could be done. It could be done, a logistical nightmare. Yes. Um, 
as it was, I had to have a half in each because it was just yeah. too much, really. But yeah, I have to be organs. honest. Yeah, I have to be honest and say it was done largely over a period of three days with a couple of outliers Fair for enough. like Eltham and things like that, where I had mm. to travel a little, little way. Mm. But yeah. uh, a job well done. A job as a great, <laughs> a great piece. I thought some lovely stories that gave us a bit of colour about a yeah. bit of a, an idea of what those uh, pubs were like. I thought the the top two probably picked. Pe- picked themselves didn't they you know they, they were their standouts you know and and three to 15 were probably more of you know close together a bit like premier league yeah um well the capital in forest hill has is, is such a wonderful building um, mm. it scored high on that um because lest we forget this wasn't a subjective exercise for me no, it was science. Was it was it science. Yeah, it was science. Yeah, I had um, at least a dozen categories. <laughs> I think it was five. <laughs> uh, based on the real ale availability, yeah. the premises, uh, the ambience, a mm-hmm. um, couple of other things. Oh, the outside space yeah. was very important. And uh, and you scored, so you scored in all these categories and reached a scientific conclusion. Yeah, each one got a score of, uh, of 10, which totaled to 50, and um, then I used a calculator to, oh, yeah. to add them yeah. all up. Mm. And uh, we had a winner. Uh, uh, the two winners were, well, the capital in the Forest Hill was the winner. I think the, the article's up on deserter.co.uk, but I don't think there's any reason to hold back on saying who the winner is. Um, it was followed by the Fox on the Hill, which again scored very highly on outside space. That's yeah, Fox on the Hill at uh, Denmark Hill. Um, mm. if, if only the service had been uh, as good as elsewhere, it might have had yeah. a chance of winning. I understand it was fairly prompt at nine o'clock this morning, according to uh, a guy I met there just Because you've already been down there this morning, I've been haven't you? Yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I met, I met a, a fella, he'd, um, he'd been to the early houses, he said. Mm. Um, because the spoons doesn't start serving till nine. Oh God! <laughs> Where are the early houses? Well, up, up I, I'm, Walworth Road. I'm guessing Walworth Road, yeah. but yeah, yeah, or maybe one of the market ones. Yeah. I mean, what was it? What was instructive about going around all these spoons was um, the little slices of life I encountered, mm. and they were surprisingly sort of upbeat. And, yes, you uh, were very moved in Woolwich, weren't you? I was very moved in Woolwich. <laughs> I was uh, just counting out my money for a half at the bar. One pound oh eight, and um, at this point, I'd been to a few, and I probably looked a little bit dishevelled, if I'm honest. And a woman, um, as I was counting out my money, put her hand on my arm and said, "I just want to check that you've got enough money for the weekend." <laughs> <laughs> and I welled up. I'm getting a bit teary myself now. How sweet! Yeah. So um, I started crying and said, to assured, assured her that I was fine, and she said. <laughs> You're not, though, are you? <laughs> um, and then in the Edmund Halley uh, in Lee Green, yeah. um, within uh, 30 seconds of entering the pub, I'd been offered a toaster, <laughs> which is brilliant. And I was like, no, no, I'm all right, thanks. And uh, got me a drink. And then I started thinking, maybe I do need a toaster. <laughs> That's how they get in your head, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we do need toasters. Any but, yeah. surprises? I think uh, the banker's draft in Elton was a surprise because it really felt like a proper local. Mm. Uh, it was smaller than most I went to. Yeah, I think it's that the smallest helped. spoons, isn't it? Yeah, it was cosy uh... and uh, everyone seemed to know each other mm. and friendly. Yeah, it was great. It was yeah, un- I was unexpected. surprised to see it so highly ranked, but you know, you can't argue with science. No, you? you can't. 
No, that's what science is there for. Mm. You you went to uh, yet another book launch, went, didn't you? Yes, I went to Get another us. book launch. Yeah, I know. It's a very literary podcast, yes. this. Um, but unlike ours, you know, which is mostly about beer and pubs, you know, this uh, was uh, at the other end of the scale. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's about cider. Oh, that's clever. <laughs> yes, it's like the other side of the coin, isn't yes. it? Yeah, completely yes. different world. Yes, there was a book called uh, The Cider Insider. Okay. By Susanna Forbes, who has her own orchard and cidery in somewhere or other, Little Pomona. Um, and I was uh, taken there by Drinks Maven, the, the drinks writer. Do you, are you familiar with her? I do know her? Yeah, I follow her on Twitter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She travels the world finding the very best drinks and writing about them for okay. various uh, publications. Um, and she, yeah, so we went to Hawk's uh, Cidery and Tap Room on the Bermondsey Beer Mile. Oh. It's just like. A beer tap room, except that it's got cider. I see. Um, I mean, they may have had beer. I don't know, but the, the cider was free. So who's you know and lovely? So yeah, no one knows. You weren't going to try it that night. No, no. Um, but she's written a book about um, craft cider, the craft cider scene, and a hundred ciders that around the world that you should try. Um, and she did a little reading, and um, what's something that struck me in the in the introduction to the book, which um, made me warm to it, was throughout history the documentation of cider has been poor, if not non-existent. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I probably should try some more of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, once you st- once you got halfway down the second half pint, you're not going to take any more notes. The <laughs> notes are gone, aren't they? You can't read them yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every woman, every man, every boy and every girl Take a seat, it's drunk or spider's letter from the world Mexico City is presently in the throes of the world's most macabre festivity. That's because every year leading up to November the 3rd, Mexicans celebrate the Day of the Dead. November the 3rd also happens to be my dad's birthday, and he's dead. So, you may assume, with envy, that I can kill two birds with one stone. But you'd be wrong, because this year I can kill three. You see, here in Mexico City, I have witnessed a murder. It was the brutal gang slaughter of a defenceless child, horrific enough to witness, but so much more distressing for me because not only do I know the murderers, but the victim was my own baby. Yes, she was mine. I had created her. I cherished her. To me, she was brimming with vitality, fecund with charm, with humanity, with nuance, with colour, with meaning. She was, of course, my letter from Toronto. If this butchery continues, I shall invite you to write your own letter from the world. Your world, the horizon of which appears to be somewhere around Croydon. And then how are you going to know of my shame at airport security when I was publicly quizzed about my foil-wrapped anusol suppositories because they looked like Emiliano Sabata's bullet belt? How are you going to know that the cantinas in Guadalajara have Wild West saloon doors and the bars are tiled and guttered so you can sit on your bar stool, drink a pint and piss all at the same time? 
How are you going to know that I was mistaken for Kenny Rogers and had my drinks bought for me all night until they realised I wasn't Kenny Rogers when I sang Coward of the County? Well, you won't know, will you? You'll be left with your own stories, contemplating which is the best bus stop to sit under between New Cross and Peckham during the season of winter. Drunkle Spider, Mexico City, Mexico. Have we just been told off? I think we have just been told I off. I think we've been told off. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, the full version was, was that was quite a difficult it, it, it listen. Was. I found yeah. it so, yeah. yeah. Especially before tea. Yeah, not half. I mean, we only asked for a couple of minutes of local colour. <laughs> and we it was quite a sympathetic edit, really. I mean, uh, yeah. Overall. Oh, hang on. See you after school. <laughs> See me after school. Good afternoon, students. I hope you all had a wonderful half-term. Before I hand over to Dr Professor Mr South for today's lecture, it is with deep sadness that I must announce the loss to the staff room of our Head of Gambling Studies, Horace Butler, who I'm sorry to say didn't make it back from our annual school outing to Windsor Races. Dr Butler, initial police reports suggest, was at some point during the evening lost in a bet. A highly unfortunate circumstance, but for those who knew him, it is perhaps some solace to report that it is how he would have wanted to go. And with that, it's over to you, Dr Professor Mr South. Thank you, Dean Saunders. It is nothing short of a scandal, I contend, that the subject of leisure continues to be omitted from the national curriculum. And so it falls to us to offer advice on how to use the most precious time of all, with all its pitfalls and dangers, sofas and comfy benches. Remember, a journey of a thousand miles begins with staring out of the window for a bit. Included in your course documents is a research paper on doing nothing. What, Professor Ketstavries asks, is gained by our obsession with keeping busy? Eschew being busy, he implores. Try doing fuck all for a bit. Though not, to be fair, in those exact words. As deserters, we've long since appreciated the benefits of doing nought. Apart from Devries's observations, it's so much less tiring than getting things done. Must our day be filled with schedules, deadlines and tasks? Once a task is completed, another grows, like a starfish with HR projects instead of limbs. Hideous, I'm sure we all agree. But what could be better for the soul than simply getting lost in the city, seeing it anew, embracing the thrill of the unexpected, and then stumbling upon a lovely pub. But life isn't all about messing around. Sometimes you need to relax too. We believe the two most important devices for relaxation are the sofa and the elbow. Once upon a time, somewhere between the Jurassic era and the Chesterfield, there was a world without sofas. People sat upright, alone, but in late 17th century France, a revolution in furniture design occurred. Suddenly, 
seats were made for multiple persons with upholstery for comfort. People could now sit next to each other. French people. You can understand why it took so long to invent the cathode ray tube or internal combustion engine, but comfortable seating. A species that values the development of the musket over the couch is one that needs a stern talking to. Thank you, thank you. Settle down now. Sofas developed, becoming more comfortable and versatile as humans evolved into slouchers. It represents humanity's acceptance that there is something more to life than the daily grind. No, not life after death, but life during life. And yet, can there be such a thing as too much comfort? If only there was a way in which you could learn to relax and exercise at the same time. To, if you will, relaxercise. And that's where the elbow comes in. For no sooner did Homo erectus get up on two legs than Homo slantus discovered how to lean his or her elbow on an appropriate surface, while the other arm reached for refreshment. Deserter history was writ. Lean on, boys and girls. Lean on. And I'll be seeing those of you who have elected for advanced leaning at my future gradient seminar on Friday. Thank you, class. And now, the news. The news. Great lecture, that. Um, I thought I might do the news lying down on the sofa now. You, you <laughs> wouldn't mind getting off it. <laughs> uh, first up, pub and beer news. Yeah. Uh, what we got? Uh, bad, bad news. news. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Sad news. Yeah, sad news. The Beer Rebellion in Gypsy Hill has closed. Uh, one of our all-time favourites. Yeah. And um, it's not all bad because it's been taken over by Bullfinch, a great local brewery. Yeah, so I'm sure it will work out all right. Yeah, but it's just a shame to lose Beer Rebellion, the name and the bar. Yeah. And it was in our book as well, wasn't it? Bloody second chapter, isn't it? I mean, as soon as you, you know, commit something to pay to the page, yeah. they go and close it. Yeah. It turns it into history mm. as opposed to what it was before, sort of a living history. Yeah. So chuck the book. Get rid of the book and wait for the uh, wait for the next one. Second edition. Yeah. <laughs> second edition. Uh, don't don't worry. We're not changing it. We're not. That, <laughs> we can't get that busy. Um, so that was a shame. Another another concern was Ant- the pub chain Antic uh, putting up a lot of their leases for sale, uh, pub yeah. leases for sale. I'm sort of puzzled by that. Yeah. I mean, they put a lot of effort into opening loads mm. of them, and mm. uh, all of a sudden they're all on the market. Well, 11 of them are. Yeah, including Sutton's Radio, Lewisham, yeah. uh, the Manor new. of Walworth and the Walworth Road. And the Sylvan Post. Sylvan Post in Forest Hill, yeah. Which, you know, strikes me as a very successful boozer. Yeah, I mean, one can only assume... Well, one assumption is that they're not doing so well, mm. perhaps. Mm. But then again, I suppose there's a lot of unknowns. The leases might be up. Freeholders might be asking for more rent and so on. So yeah. you don't ever unlike, know the full story. Yes, unlike most newsreaders, we don't know what the fuck is going no, on. No, no. <laughs> or, or care, is it fair to say? <laughs> oh, no, we care. We're just concerned. We're just, yeah. yeah, we're just concerned. Yeah. Talking of concern, another... Um, spate of bad news oh dear, it's all bad news what happened to accentuating the positive yeah yeah what's brilliant what is brilliant um yeah there's been a spate of brewery break-ins uh yeah west berkshire brewery 
Gypsy Hill Brewery and Canopy in Herne Hill have all been broken into. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Canopy, can I just yeah. interrupt you there? We'll yeah. go back to the break-ins, but okay. we've, we're, we are currently drinking a Canopy beer, oh, yes. uh, a Simcoe IPA, 7.3, limited edition, that was gifted to us from uh, Andrew Finity of oh. uh, the Camberwell Free Film Festival. Uh, who came to our book launch and had to had to rush off to a gig? It was a lovely he, gesture. A lovely gesture, yeah. And he's uh, it, here. We are best before January twenty eighteen. What? <laughs> Get rid of it. I've been drinking that. It's a year out of date. It's, it's lush though, isn't it? Yeah, it is nice. I have to say, um, yeah. And we've got another another gift here from um, this was from Mass- uh, Massive Central, who uh, oh. they do they illustrate your cycling achievements. Oh. Is that a sponsor's message? It kind of is, isn't it? <laughs> I think, I think if you if you would like a mention, please send us rare and exquisite beer. Yeah, that's uh, what's going to do it. We don't yeah. take advertising unless yeah. you send us rare and exquisite beers. Yeah, yeah, we don't. You know, we're not going to read about your brilliant way to find PPPI. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is uh, Villasoff, a cyclist's beer by cyclists for cyclists. Yeah, French. I understand, or I read. On the back. <laughs> um, I couldn't say I understood it. Uh, yeah, so back back to the break-ins. These brewery break-ins. Um, Canopy had, had a break-in. They nicked all all the money from the day's takings from the safe. That's and, awful. Uh, the West Barks Brewery place was basically smashed up. They took out walls and doors and so oh, on. Jesus. So if you're in the vicinity of the Gypsy Hill Brewery, Canopy and Herne Hill or West Barks Brewery, drop in, buy a couple of tinnies yeah, to support please them. Do. Teetotal scum, that's who did it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no regard to the beer fraternity. Yeah. In uh, better news, have you got any better news? Yes, we do. Please. Cloud Water are brewing cask ale again. Hey. After all that news has been going one way, and in fact, all the cask news have been going one, one way, and yeah. Cloud Water made quite a, a noise about not doing cask, didn't they? Well, we broke the story, didn't we, about two years ago? Of course, we're um, all about the news. Yeah, bang on. <laughs> uh, that they were going to refuse to do cask any longer. Mm. And, uh, I mean, they made a good case for it, I thought. Yeah. But uh, it's lovely to have them back in the fold. And they've re- issued a map of everywhere that's uh, it's being delivered to from mm. the 12th of November. And that includes the Harp in Covent Garden. Lovely. Brilliant boozer. And the Rusty Bucket in Elton. That is a coup. Yeah. Because, so, uh, you know, then haven't been around very long the rusty bucket uh, right. um so you know it's, it's quite well hats off it was torture going to the banker's draft on my spoons journey and not, not dropping into the rusty bucket i bet it was i mean yeah. i did i did drop in there but you know you didn't i couldn't yeah. i couldn't stay and drink because i was on a scientific mission mm. <laughs> alone <laughs> i'd definitely be going there for that for that yeah power water um uh, yeah there's another pub that is, uh, I'm concerned about the star in Plumstead. Mm. Um, you may remember it's the the pub that um, was the the changing room for Woolwich Arsenal FC before they oh, yes. would go out on the common and thrash someone. What, one of the idlers. One of the Plumstead idlers. Yeah, um, the star that, that you never wrote shone. about in in the Plumstead piece on my website. Yeah, yeah, they've been taken over and they closed for a little bit to to do a refurb. Um, and the the new owners are um, Dirty Liquor, who uh, I know run the. Black Horse in in Deptford, which is very nice. But what I didn't mm. realise was that they had stripped the, the the inside of it. They gutted it really to give that right. bare brick look. Uh. Um, and the the star 
is is uh, covered with those kind of original Truman wood panels. Yeah, you know, it's a. It's a bit of a time capsule, and yes. um, it would be awful to lose that because, you know, we can see bare bricks anywhere, and you That's can true. see them anywhere in the bloody world as well. Yeah, yeah. But this kind of stuff, it's heritage yeah, stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it is heritage stuff, yeah. Um, well, just while I find, to wrap up our beer news, I mean, we mentioned the, the return of Deserter IPA earlier, didn't we? Um, we're also working on a double-strength Deserter double IPA, oh, yeah. a dipper, yeah. uh, which should be in the uh, South London shops for Christmas, um, working with Su- uh, Sam at Southey again. And it has the working title... The Game Changer. The Game Changer. Yes, <laughs> I'll have a bottle of that and see what happens. Okay, moving on to news from the world. Yeah, from the world of work, unusually, Ooh. for us. Go on. Yes, uh, okay, this is me, isn't it? <laughs> I noticed that um, uh, from an article in the paper, I think it was The Guardian, that a shorting, shorter working week is gradually, very gradually, being introduced in the UK. Get in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you may already know that the British peoples work the longest hour in Europe. It's embarrassing. And it's a national shame, isn't it? Yeah. The longest working week in Europe, because we've opted out of an EU directive. Oh, brilliant. That allows us to uh, oh, well work done. up to 50 hours a week. Hmm. Um, but now, according to this piece, a handful of companies have switched to a four-day week. Excellent. Yeah. Good start. Yeah, I mean, it's not the five-day weekend we insist upon, is it? No. But uh, it is a start. It's a step in the right direction. Mm. Uh, and this involves a 28 to 32-hour working week, which pays the same. That's brilliant. As a full-time. Yeah, mm. yeah. Although you do have to uh, take a 20% reduction in annual leave, mm. or anal leave, as I've got written here. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, you're not very productive, are you, if you're working 60 hours a week? No, you're, you're not. No. You know, I mean, it's... I mean, not that I give a shit about your productivity, to be yeah. honest. No, no. I would like you to be able to put your feet up. Yeah, I mean, we need to make that clear. We don't give a shit about productivity. And uh, the other thing we need to make clear is, even if it goes down to four days a week, we're still not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Forget it. Um, but, you know, it's, it is interesting, isn't it, um, that productivity increases... Mm. As you t- as you go down from five days to four days, yes, it makes you wonder, you know, just how much you could get done if you went down to two days or one day or none days. <laughs> Again, science. <laughs> um, but of course, uh, England isn't the only country, or Britain isn't the only place that suffers. Uh, this blight of overwork. No. Uh, Japan, I mean, they're, oh, they're God, mad for it, aren't the they? they? Yeah, they love it. Terrible health consequences to yeah. the, uh, the uh, their overworked people. Yeah. Um, but there are some companies who who are doing something called Shining Mondays. Oh yeah, where you choose to have a lie-in to start your week. Oh, now I could talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, particularly there. That's a. That's a. That's a great go-ahead move i mean why not mm. just carry on you know have uh, have a lie-in then have yeah. lunch yeah a little bit of that uh, lovely japanese single malt whiskey is mm. very good award-winning before you know it sayonara absolutely and then shining tuesday <laughs> <laughs> what's the shine good as opposed to bad i suppose mm. yeah it's the opposite of shite it's not a <laughs> we have shitey mondays they have shiny mondays I suppose that their theory is that you'll come in on Monday afternoon bouncing full of energy, energy but uh, mm. I'd like to think you just come in on Tuesday with a hangover. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
Canada has uh, legalised cannabis. Which so is, it has, yeah. 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 Well, well done, guys. Um, I was looking on their their site, the the Ontario site, about mm. uh, you, you, uh, you know, who can smoke it and yeah. where. Uh, you've got to be 19. Mm. Um, Only 19. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to be at least 19. Um but where you can smoke it at home, obviously, yeah. yeah. You can smoke it in parks, so you know we'd no longer have to skulk by the bins or behind trees. That's nice, yeah. Designated hotel rooms. Ooh. I'd want to go to that party. Sexy. Uh, long-term care homes. Yes. Retirement homes and hospices. Oh come on, that is just br- brilliant. How much? Who is says it to the fly Canadians there? are dull? <laughs> Um, the only thing I did read is that two days after it was legalised, they'd run out. <laughs> did, you, did you see that? Yes. Yeah, massive queues at the shops. So they had to go back to half life. Go or? back to black market. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a little, a little bit of work to be done, but again, a great start. A great, a great start. start. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got an item that might interest uh, Deadly, haven't you? Yes, I'm sure that uh, being a keen ornithologist, mm. he would have had his eye on the New Zealand Bird of the Year competition. Of course, I'm a, what's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was won by the Keroo. Uh, she looked a bit like a pigeon to me, but you'd probably notice the difference. Um, um, but th- this uh, bird likes to uh, eat fruit, uh, but particularly fermented oh, yes. fruit that's lying around. So it just gets pissed, yes. f- tries to fly out back to its branch and falls <laughs> off. They're always falling out of trees. These, <laughs> and yet, and yet, they are one of the few native birds that are not endangered, despite their attitude to risk. <laughs> which maybe just says booze is good for you. Yeah. yeah. I think if I had to pick a bird of the year, it would, might be... Uh, the cuckoo, mm. um, you know, think about it. They uh, they drop their kids off with the neighbours, don't they? And they just never bother picking them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's a deserter bird. <laughs> yeah, I've got some um, neighbours like that. Although, actually, now I think about it, it would probably be um, the peewit. I'd like to apologise to the peewit family, uh, having uh, awfully fouled the habitat of one in the Isle of Sheppey <laughs> when I got caught short. Caught short that time. Yeah, sadly, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. In but its nest? In the, in the general area. Oh. I'd like to say sorry to all peewits, plovers and lapwings. <laughs> Some more great news. Oh, thank God. Um, Dulwich Hamlet. Oh, yes. Going back to Champions Hill. Champion Ch- Ch- Hill. Champion, Champion Hill, yeah. That is tremendous news. It's not how... The story ends usually. No, when a developer boots a, a football club out, and you don't never usually find them going back. But um, no, due to the great efforts of uh, yes, Tom, and yes, the fellow directors, yeah, and and indeed the council and um, politicians mm. and possibly even the developer, um, they're back. They're and, back uh, yeah, and we hope their first home game will be uh, December first. Yeah, against. Uh, Torquay United, which yeah. would be a big one. Yeah, indeed. And uh, great, great um, for the local businesses, I think, that probably suffered. You know, like Hamlet Fish Bar probably haven't done as many uh, no. portions of chips on the great, Saturday. Because they will survive, and I think there yeah. might have, have to be doubts if they're, yeah. if they're away. Although you, you quite liked Mitchum, didn't you? C- can I just say that... Um, uh, on, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm on the verge of starting a petition to keep them at Mitchum, which is actually... <laughs> Actually, in Morden, nowhere near Tooting. Uh, no, I had, I had a lovely little um, system going on. I'd pop down to the Clarkshaw's tap room in Loughborough Junction, have yeah. a couple there, get on the train, 
boom, 20 minutes, you're in Mitcham. Mm. Really, rather nice. The ground's superb. It is a good ground. Great tearing. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so there's lessons to be learned there for um, if slash when Dulwich Hamlet get their new ground. Yeah, Let's be careful what you campaign for. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's brilliant. Great stuff. Um, uh, finally, I've got an item that I thought might interest you, Dirty South. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, have you seen in the news that more and more men in the UK are undergoing very risky Brazilian butt lift operations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've missed yeah, that. I, I know you haven't. I know you haven't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because you texted me the link. Um, this is uh, a link you sent me from the British Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons. And um, the surgery, this is the reason I thought it might interest you. Mm. The surgery involves transferring fat from different parts of the body mm. to the buttocks. I'm not sure I need that, to be honest. <laughs> like the redistribution of wealth. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the, the most dangerous cosmetic procedures that can be performed. Now you're talking. And surgeons have been warned against carrying out following a spate of fatalities. Oh. Yeah. Um, but that is the price of looking fabulous. <laughs> Having a massive arse and not being able to get a seat on the number 12 bus. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, good luck with that, because I thought um, that might be a good article. <laughs> <laughs> the things I do for a blog. I am the corporate deserter. I earn a six-figure salary. And I do fuck all. This episode, lunch, the first meal of the day. First up, lunching with the boss. Always make a point of inviting the boss out to lunch in a new job. Offer to pay, of course. Yes, he is the one that signs off your expenses, but it's a nice gesture. Now he doesn't have to get his expenses signed off, see? Advanced lunchers will take the opportunity to play the boss, too. To plant in his mind that you may be one to be avoided. Grill him relentlessly about your role, his role, future plans, competition, growth, and net asset value. In this gambit, no wine should be taken. If your boss orders some, stick to sparkling water. Now your boss thinks he knows what you are like. A straight up and down company man who only talks shop and shuns free booze like an idiot. Perfect. This leaves you free to take long, boozy lunches and expenses four days a week with subordinates, suppliers, clients, friends, lovers and hookers. Your boss will happily sign them all off as he's now convinced you're obsessed with furthering the aims of the company and he's just glad it wasn't him out for lunch with you. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing your wisdom. May we ask you a couple of questions about lunch, Osman? Corporate deserter. Sorry, corporate corporate deserter, yes. Um, where do you stand on eating lunch at your desk? If you're not eating at a restaurant, then take your lunch hour outside of the office and return with your lunch to eat at your desk. This makes you look busy. In short, eat a sandwich at your desk on work time. Use your actual lunch hour for drinking and sex. And Fenella has tweeted us, um, corporate deserter, she says, have you noticed the modern habit for people naming their food? 
she says, I had a lovely sandwich called Derek from the office fridge the other day. <laughs> what does the uh, corporate deserter say about that? Well, that tickles corporate deserter. Yes, the office fridge is late capitalism's safety net for the modern manager. Not only do you get to eat free food, you are causing ructions in the office. Divide and conquer. A couple of other things before I go. Always refer to lunch as a late lunch, even if it's at 11.30 in the morning. It implies you are up early. And finally, never drink coffee after lunch. It will keep you awake. Books, 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 books. Letters. Letters. letters, letters, words, words. words. Reading. Reading. reading, sentences, paragraphs, words again, words again. Corners. corners, it's, it's book corner. corner. Okay, a, a bit of a surprise this episode on book corner, <laughs> in a way. I mean, regular listeners will know we'll, we uh, use this bit to talk about a book that we like. Yes, but usually this, by somebody else. Usually by somebody else, but this time we're talking about a book that we don't like by us. <laughs> Uh, no, we, we, we hummed and hard about um, whether we should do our own book in Book Corner, but in the end we thought, fuck it, you know what, you don't get a book out very often. No. Let's go for it. Um, so we're going to talk about our own book, Today South London, uh, Tomorrow South London, and uh, I haven't read it yet, so uh, I'm going to ask Vincent to describe what it's all about. Yeah, no, I haven't read it yet either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nor me. <laughs> We've got some blurb here, haven't we? Part guide, part travelogue, part glorious pub crawl. It says here. That's on the that's on the back of the book. But we have had some um, people describing it in their own words as well on um, Amazon and Twitter and so on. Um, Io described it as Jeffrey Bernard and Damon Runyon go on a pub crawl in South London and never leave. <laughs> Which I, quite I like that. Uh, Skirky on Amazon says fear and loathing meets the good beer guide. So I thought it was also very good. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure any of them beat um, Chris Wizzy's uh, review of this very podcast, <laughs> which was last of the summer wine for the rave generation. <laughs> I really like that. That's on iTunes, isn't it? Um, we did get some uh, proper formal reviews in, though, didn't yeah. we? Uh, if you do enjoy it, please do review it uh, on Amazon or Goodreads, some, somewhere like that would be appreciated because uh, we may get to do another one. Yeah, apparently that's important. It's good to have good reviews. Um, but luckily we've got the national press. We have. We've got, got some that uh, got handed the other night, actually, our book launch. Um, one from the Mail, Daily Mail. These fatuous and adolescent stories, that stories is in inverted commas, viscerally remind me why one should never set foot in the polluted badlands south of the river, home to the poor and the mentally unstable. What? It's one saving grace is Vincent Raisin, who oh. writes well. I forget the other one's name. <laughs> okay, now. Quite like that one. Um, Love the mail. It, here's another one. It beggars belief that this book has been chosen to represent London at the Edinburgh Book Festival when it is little more than the juvenile ramblings of a dangerous cult undermining the city's work ethic. Fair. That's, that's from the lady. And... 
And finally, from the bookseller, today South London, tomorrow South London. It's just a shame there isn't an option for yesterday so that the authors could go back in time and try writing a proper book. This is fucking ridiculous. I'm not reading anymore. Yeah. That's annoying. That is ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, rather than um, do uh, a reading in the studio of these, uh, we thought we'd do a mercifully brief reading of... Uh, um, a live appearance we had at Brixton Book Jam. Mm. Thanks to Brixton Book Jam for having us, and um, over to uh, them. Now, South London authors Dirty South and Dulwich Raider explore the joys of the dark underbelly of South London through their blog, Deserter. Well, tonight, they're bursting back through the looking glass previewing their new collection today, South London, tomorrow, South London. And they are appearing in subversive tandem order. Ladies and gentlemen, Dirty South, followed by Dulwich Raider. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Brixton Book Jam. This is School Run Pub Crawl. It started with a hangover. It ended with a kiss. Me and Spider dropped my little boy at school and staggered to the centre cafe in Lee Green for a full English in the doomed Leagate shopping precinct, the UK's worst shopping centre, 2010. It was there that Spider became intrigued by the building opposite us, the Edmund Halley, Lee's Weatherspoons. I knew a 10am pint was unwise, but it were lush. (laughs) And so was the next one, before the piss stink from the hideous carpet drove us out. Now we were on a mission. Spider wanted to see the graves of the three astronomers royal, Halley, Nathaniel Bliss and John Pond, all residing at St Margaret's Churchyard nearby. It was our misfortune to discover that the path to the graveyard would take us past the old tiger's head, now open, and the Duke of Edinburgh, and the Dacre Arms. From the Dacre, there's a little alley through to St Margaret's, where we wobbled our way to the graves of the comic botherers. Despite publishing a pioneering catalogue of the stars of the southern skies, and making breakthroughs on planetary orbits and navigation, it was Halley's identification of a recurring visiting comet that ensured his immortality, along with his successful prediction of when it would return after his death. Halley's comet will next appear in 2061. Balls, I'm going to miss it, said Spider. Man, your diary gets packed, doesn't it, I said. I'll be dead, you prune, so will you. We're just too late. Another generation and we'll crack mortality. You watch. We can live forever. Not the way we're going, we can't, I said, passing the joint. Yeah, well, we might as well enjoy ourselves. We're all going to die. Cheery little fucker, aren't you? Mind you, in the future, you might as well enjoy yourself because you're not going to die. Well, if we're going to miss his comet, I'm glad we went to his stinky pub. After one more at the Hare and Billet and an encounter with some lovely elderly communists at the Crown, me and Spider parted, just in time for the school (laughs) pick-up. After six pubs, it was time to be a responsible parent. (laughs) 
Where does Drunkle Spider live, Daddy? asked my lad, giving me a hug and a kiss. On another planet, I said. I knew it, he replied. My boy will hopefully be around to see Halley's Comet in 2061. I hope he'll get to see the southern stars that Halley mapped for his catalogue as well. This tale may not provide me with the same kind of immortality afforded to Edmund, but it too is a catalogue of southern stars, albeit only six of them, and to be fair, one of them is a spoons. <laughs> we could have spent the day watching daytime TV or doing some of those things that always need doing around the house, or, yes, working, but we chose to spend it living, exploring pubs, science, life, death and socialism, but mostly pubs. Thank you. I'm the other half of Deserter, the Dodge Raider. Can't see a thing. Let's take these off. This is a story in which I get a haircut before joining the gang for a day watching the Cheltenham Festival in the pubs of Nunhead. Dirty South was already installed when I arrived at the old nun's head. The racing post spread out before him. New Barnet, he said as I sat down. What do they call that? Lesbian seagull? You've got to keep people on their toes, I said. Keep switching it up, yeah? Keep moving forward like a Bowie or a Gaga. I'm pretty sure David Bowie had more than two haircuts a year, he said. This year, Roxy had taken the afternoon off work to join us, and she arrived breathless and excited. I've put five pounds on Saxo Jack, she declared. When it wins, I get a thousand pounds. What's happened to your hair? He's being David Bowie, said Dirty South. Fat White Duke, said Roxy. Put that in your book, innit? Have you finished it yet? Am I in it? Not anymore, I said. I suppose half pint's in it, she said with a curl of her lip. Half pint was Roxy's pet name for Half-Life, after he once made the egregious error of getting her a half pint on a rare round. She wasn't impressed. Where is he anyway? On his way, allegedly. The first race began with Roxy Cross because the horses hadn't started in a straight line, but she soon got into the spirit of it, providing her own running commentary. I can't understand a word he's saying. What colour is my guy? I've forgotten his name. It looks like horses with tiny men on their backs. Bloody hell, how long is it going to go on for? I'm dying for a pee. Did I win? Roxy didn't win, but Dirty South landed a 9-1 to winner and our day was off to a flyer. At first I was disappointed at our next stop, the pyrotechnist's arms, as there was no sign of the free rolls I'd experienced during Cheltenham's gone by. For me, Cheltenham Festival Week is very much about the free rolls. But what the pyro did have was a fine collection of regulars, and by fine I mean pissed. Completely canned at 2pm, just like you should be on a Cheltenham day. Dirty South got stuck with Joke Man, pleased to have someone new to regale with old jokes. I avoided eye contact and went to the bar. Roxy got sandwiched between a wild-eyed octogenarian and a white patois-speaking dude in a dressing gown. Meanwhile, I was warmly welcomed by a swaying man with roomy eyes and the softest hands I'd ever shaken. Thank you so much for coming, he said sincerely. It means so much to all of us. Can I give you a hug? Outside, on Nunhead Green, the sun was trying to come out. How did you get on with pontoon eyes? I asked Roxy, as she fashioned a three-skinner. Pontoon eyes? One twists, the other sticks? Don't be mean, she said. 
My huggy chum from the pyro ambled over to join us, but the offer of spliff was declined. No, 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 no. That stuff kills your brain cells, he said. Not like getting drunk, that just hurts your liver, and you've got two of them. Ordinarily, Nunhead's brilliant micropub, the beer shop, would have been high on our list of priorities, but it didn't open until later in the day. I was gazing over longingly at it when I spotted a horse was being ridden down the road like it was the 1920s. There's yours in the next race, rocks, I said. Um, is that who I think it is, said Dirty South. O-M-fucking-G, I said, as I made out the telltale figure of Half-Life bestride the beast. And was that a cowboy hat? This book of yours is writing itself, said Roxy, as Half-Life rode over to greet us. What the absolute fuck, said Dirty South. Anyone got an apple, said Half-Life. I'm starving. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, and, um... Well, thanks very much to us for doing that. I thought we sounded brilliant. Um, <laughs> and just in is the news that the book has entered the top ten of Amazon bestsellers. What? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Text from the publisher. Um, yeah, we're at number seven. In Amazon bestsellers? Yeah. Travel. Tra ah, okay. All right. In, in the food and drink Still, section. Still, that's pretty, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did see that in, I can't remember which bookseller it was. One of them's got us down as uh, mind, body, and... Aiding the spirit. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's perfect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. quite right. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, it's available in all good bookshops. And, and Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> yeah, Trading on me jokes. <laughs> okay. Is it still going? Yeah. Anyway, it's now available in all good bookshops. And Amazon. A little bit of politics. <laughs> <laughs> and now, a moment of silence. A short period of reflection to one of those less fortunate than ourselves, those people that cannot be with us today, those people at work. Oh dear, yes. Uh, and what aural phantasm do you have for us today, Deadly? Well, today, in honour of those people who cannot be in a pub, mm. I have a recording of a pub. Oh, Lovely. Lovely. I think I'm going to enjoy this yeah. one. Let's have a listen for a bit and then I'll quiz you on it. Okay. Mm -hmm. A moment of silence. Oh, this is very relaxing, isn't it? It's like a redox bath for the soul. Mm. Is that a sponsor message? <laughs> okay, you're the so-called experts. Mm. <laughs> so here's a question for you. Shoot. <laughs> Which pub is that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we've got to name the pub. Yes. Um, is it the, hmm. the All Nations in Ironbridge, Shropshire? Uh, no, good try. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it? Is it the front in Falmouth? No. Oh. 
It's the red lion at Snargate in Kent. Of course it is. It's obvious now, it's isn't obvious. it? As soon as you hear it, as soon as he says it, it's obvious. <laughs> I feel such a fool. Um, I have to say, I found that very relaxing. Very. It's a sort of natural environment, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I wonder um, if we should have it on in the background while we, while we do social media, Deadly. Okay. Yeah, be like being in the pub. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do Dub- it. Double my fee. Okay. <laughs> And now, social media, um, mm. a section where we just uh, have a look through what everybody does in the pub these days, other than having a conversation. We noticed uh, a post from George, didn't we, that made us laugh oh, yeah. uh, at Whopping Races. Mm. He wrote, it was like a little poem, wasn't it? It's a yeah. call, call to action as a poem. He wrote on Twitter, shall we all take the day off tomorrow? <laughs> they can't sack all of us. Okay, so breakfast at mine, then pub, nice winter walk along the Thames, selfies optional, lunch somewhere with a fire, cocktails at dusk. Who's in? <laughs> That's absolutely charming. Yeah, a lot of people go that a lot, love. Um, and uh, Sarah Grace T, at Sarah Grace T, replied... Um, yeah, me mummy. She's one of the uh, You're So Mummies. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're uh, So. Yeah, we know, I mean, we know her. Yummy as well, we sure. We know her but... well. Um, she replied, uh, I actually did this once with 20 other drunks who all worked in the same call centre. It turns out they can sack you all. <laughs> <laughs> well, Twitter is often a place for uh, emotional outpourings, isn't it? Isn't it? Or, uh, yeah. Somebody uh, on a similar vein. Thank God for the mute button. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pearly uh, at London Alas 666 saying... Uh, I'm in a very bad place this morning. Oh. Work. I'm at work. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there was a couple of seasonal messages as well that I noticed. Yeah. Um, just had fireworks night, haven't we? Uh, right, racket. Um, oh, yeah, what a racket, honestly. <laughs> Go right off it. Jason at Nick Motown said, I like f- fireworks as much as I like people who actually have a fucking question when they say any questions at the end of an after-work meeting on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> very good. So not very much. And there was a there was even an early Christmas message, um, which is... Yeah, yeah. N- uh, this was from uh, at, at Lisbalia. Uh, not a day goes by where I don't think about that time I went Christmas shopping at the last minute and among the rails and crazed choppers a woman looked around, paused and then said to her husband I can't be arsed Alan and walked away (laughs) (laughs) that's Christmas that is Christmas Um, yeah I spotted one from a mate of mine Macca Hamlet um, who hasn't been working for a while he tweeted Every episode of Frasier has now been on since I've been unemployed, and it's now back to the beginning. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> I think it should make us all think a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah hats off. <laughs> I also enjoyed one from Mutable Joe, who'd um, read some reviews of Red Dead Redemption, the new game from uh, Rockstar. Uh, I would play a game that was like Red Dead Redemption, but instead of being a cowboy, you were comfortably off baby boomer who was able to quietly retire at 60 with a nice pension and spend your time reading and snoozing <laughs> yeah make it someone <laughs> yeah the deserter game absolutely yeah <laughs> i used to like that in uh, gta gta uh, 3 uh or was it four i think it was four you could um 
I've just fell in with some stoners. I was selling some hamburgers. And I've lived there quite happily for several weeks. <laughs> and my mobile will keep ringing with a new mission. And I just ignore it. <laughs> it's great. Just drive around, go for a drive around, put on a new suit. Tremendous. Um, at, at Sarah Dahl, uh, Sarah reminded us of why we uh, live in the city with a tweet I enjoyed. Uh, she said, I hate living in the countryside. Someone's left five misshapen apples on some newspaper from 2016 in my porch, and I don't know if it's a gift, a curse, or a warning. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and, uh, yeah, I also enjoyed... Uh, you, do you follow Food Stories, at Food Stories? No, I think no. she, she's, a, she's a woman She lives between Camborne and Peckham somewhere, and she writes about mm. food, but she created a bit of a Twitter storm when she tweeted... Uh, Pringles have retained the mouth-burning quality that salt and vinegar squares and discos once had. Brackets, good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it, it got people uh, thinking about the powerful crisps, basically. Yeah. Mm. They, they were more powerful, weren't they? I think they used to be. Mm. Now, now you really have to search for them. Uh, Henry G. Jeffries uh, weighed in with Tato's are still pretty gritty and Tavern. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Tavern snacks. Yeah. South uh, London, I think, tavern snacks. Are they? Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. And he says, I haven't seen them for a while, and I haven't seen them for a while, but oh, my God, they're, they're salt and vinegar. Tavern oh, yeah. snacks. They were very powerful. <laughs> At Dinehart chipped in with, uh, but what out there can match the actual pain of Brannigan's beef and mustard? <laughs> <laughs> they were astonishing. Yeah. That would yeah. get in your nose, wouldn't it? You'd have to have a pause for thought. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, food stories also. It was like, yes, oh my fucking God, I haven't had a packet of Brannigan's for actual years. A classic crisp, like emptying an instant noodle flavour sachet directly onto your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Dinehard replied, yes, we used to use it as a drinking game. You have to put one on your tongue, first one to crack gets the new round. <laughs> uh, Ollie North at Cote de P, he, he's, we know him, don't we? Uh, he, he, he chipped in with them. Um, have you had the co-op's salt and chardonnay vinegar crisps? What? <laughs> it's an instant classic. Uh, and food... <laughs> That's co-op's salt and chardonnay. I'm not another sponsor message, but um, Food Stories says uh, they better be good, Ollie, because chardonnay... <laughs> Although we like the chardonnay, don't we, boys? We have a chardonnay on, yeah. uh, on ice sometimes during a podcast. Mm. Um, we have an early bottle, don't we? <laughs> During the first section. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. Yes. <laughs> um, cooking a curry um, reminds us that Smith's salt and vinegar chipsticks are the best. Yeah, the oh, chipsticks. Not crisp, them, but they yeah. sort of... Yeah. That, That's the taste that, of school. For yeah, them, yeah, they're that puffed wheat, aren't they? And they mm. disintegrate in the mouth. I like Smith's nice. uh, Bovril crisps. Uh, they were, a, they were they, strong for They me, were yeah, very strong, yeah. yeah. Um, the Edwardian 81, at the Edwardian 81, uh, reminds us of Beef Monster Munch. Mm -hmm. They had a unique and joyous mouth-stripping quality based on umami overload and the texture of sandpaper. <laughs> <laughs> a brilliant double. Um, yeah, and going back to the people who remember discos, you know, at Fifth mm. Instar says that um, they once lived for the bottom of the disco packet. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah Douglas remembers when discos did the extra flavor sachet no way. yes so you got them and was an extra sachet if you wanted more flavor oh. it was amazing she said it scarred everyone for life <laughs> <laughs> weapons grade brilliance i mean i do remember um i don't know if you remember kp who do the nuts kp, KP mm. peanuts mm. they used to do crisps as well sort of in the crisps yeah. and they were 
overloaded with flavour. It was more right. flavour than crisp. <laughs> um, and uh, but currently, I think my favourite for the salt vinegar here is the fish and chips mini biscuits. Oh, yeah, they're in the tiny, tiny see, shape of a tiny fish while, and yeah. the shape of a tiny chip. <laughs> mm. um, you can get them in Sainsbury's. That, that, they're great if you want that salt and vinegar hit. They're a massive explosion of flavour and preservatives and E-numbers, including, of course, my all-time favourite, E621. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is just, you don't get better than that. Top of the charts. <laughs> Top of the charts. Top of the charts. Well, I think that's all we have time for. Uh, or at least all we have. That's probably more the truth of it. Um, what do you have planned for the rest of the day, Dirty? Uh, well... I was wondering if we might get that pub sound back on and mm. just sit around here all afternoon. That does sound lush. Doesn't it? Are you in? I am in. The sun's coming out as well, look. <laughs> it is, yeah. We could sit on the porch. Brilliant. Bring the whiskey and cake, Deadly. Ta-ta, everybody. Toodle pip. Do we have a game of whiff-waff? Or spliff-waff? <laughs> oh, I'll have the carbon shaft. Back with the carbon shaft. Okay. You grab the shaft. I'll, I'll, I'll grab the balls. <laughs>